We've been talking about this little word, two little letters, and yet in this two little letters, there is this incredible potential and this incredible power in these two little letters. And we talked about last week that the power of if is that if is always followed by then. Have you noticed that? Like, if I do this, then this might happen. It's actually kind of basic eighth grade, seventh grade kind of science, the cause and effect that if I do this, then this will happen. And if I do that, then that will happen. And if I don't do this, then that won't happen. And there's this incredible potential in this little word, this little word, if, and actually it's a very spiritual thing. In fact, we've studied through the scripture and we found out that the word if is used many, many times throughout the Bible. In fact, it's used many times in the promises of the Bible, that there are these promises that God says, if you will obey, if you will do these things, then this is what I promise that I will do for you. And so we decided in this series to just kind of build our faith by studying some of the if promises of God. And we started last week with one of my favorite ones. It's found in Romans chapter eight. Some of you might know it by heart. If you do, why don't you say it out loud with me? It goes like this. If God is for us, then who can be against us? How many know that promise that God says, if I am for you and I am, how many believe God is for us, right? If he is for us, then man, nothing that happens in our life, nothing that comes against us, no person and no problem and no pain and nothing in our past that if God is for us that nothing can come against us, that nothing can stand in our way to all that God has for us. And we just last week just tried to just kind of build your faith, especially in this time of year when we've been through the summer and summertime kind of comes and a lot of times we kind of get a little lax in our in our walk with God. But this time of year as we're getting back to the school year to just kind of build our faith to know that God is for us and he has incredible things for us. And we challenged you to just dream big. Everybody say dream big. Dream big, dream some big dreams. In fact, we brought the prayer wall in here and we let you just put your prayer needs up on the wall and the things that you're believing God for and the things that you're dreaming for. And then we said, we're going to pray hard. Everybody say pray hard. We're gonna pray hard that actually the big dreams in our heart, the God is for us type of dreams actually force us to pray hard because we can't do those things on our own. And so every day we're praying together. We're praying over the needs that are on the wall. Every Sunday night during the month of August, we're actually joining together for a prayer time from five o'clock to six o'clock this afternoon to pray over these needs and believe God. And then we say, we're just going to go along. And that means that we're going to not give up. We're going to keep praying and keep believing because we know we will, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at another if promise in the scripture. And it's actually found in the book of second Chronicles. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out and turn with me there. Uh, this afternoon, and it's in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles. We're going to look at chapter 7, very familiar passage of scripture. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your notes or in your uh, LifeGate app today. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to read it aloud together. It's on the screen there for you too. And here's what we got to do though. If you're going to read it out loud, here's a couple things that's going to have to happen. You're going to have to move your mouth like this, and then sound is going to have to come out. So how many think you can do that? All right, let's try this on the count of three. One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Man, y'all did better than the other two services. Come on, give yourselves a hand. 
Now think about that. I mean, think about the incredible potential and the amazing promise that is found in this passage here that God says, if you are my people, how many of you today say, I'm God's people? Come on, God, I am one of his people. If you are my people, and if as my people, you will humble yourself and come to me, and if you will pray, and if you will seek my face, and if you will turn from the old ways of living, then he says, here's the promise that I will give you, that if you will do these things, this is what I, I will do. I will hear your prayers and I will heal your land. Now, how many of you would agree with me today that we live in a land right now that needs some healing? Come on. I mean, all you got to do is look around. All you got to do is watch the news. All you got to do is put it, you know, you go to social media. I mean, you will see all of the, I mean, all of the prejudice and all of the things going on in politics and all of the stuff that is happening in our world. And, and I mean, it is undeniable that we need God to bring some healing in our land. But you know what? In that passage, I don't just think that God is talking about our land like as our nation or like as America. But I believe that some of you are maybe even here today and maybe you need some healing in some personal areas of your life. That maybe even as you are here this afternoon that you might go, hey, I need some healing in marriage land, you know? I need some healing in family land. I need some healing in finance land. I need some healing in job land. I need some healing in relationship land. I need, I need God to do a work in some areas of my life. And here's the incredible promise that God gives us. That God says, I will heal your land. I will work in your life, your marriage, your family, with your teenager, Whatever it might be, I will bring healing in your land, but only if, only if you pray. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. In fact, last week I kind of pumped you up by talking about faith and how God is for you. Today's going to be a little bit less of a pump up message and a little bit more of a just kind of just talking about what is prayer and maybe even just teaching a little bit on it so that when we come tonight, we're going to be able to know how to pray. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start by just laying a little bit of a foundation about prayer. I think some things that are really important for us to understand before we start to pray. And then we're going to look through the scripture a little bit at some specific prayers that people prayed. And maybe you might even find yourself in some of those prayers going, that's the prayer that I need to pray. So if you're taking notes, why don't you go ahead and pull those out and let's just look at three foundations about prayer today. The first one that we really have to understand is this, is that prayer is more about God doing something in you than God doing something for you. Prayer is not just about God doing something for you. You know, a lot of times I think when we talk about prayer or even when we do pray, like we bring all of these needs to God and go, God, I need you to do this and this and this and this and this for me. And we got this big old long list. How many of you have a prayer list? You got a prayer list? I got a prayer list. I got stuff that I pray for. And we have this list. And I think that's, that's important that God wants us to bring our requests and our needs to him and that we should do that. But what we have to understand foundationally underneath that is that there's something even more important about prayer than just God doing something for you, than just God meeting your needs. And and that is that God wants to use prayer, not to just do stuff for you, but to actually do something even more important, something deep down in you. 
In fact, it kind of reminds me of the Apostle Paul. You might remember his story a little bit that Paul was, he was struggling with what he called a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know exactly what it was, but we know that it was something that was like, it was really bothering him. It might have been a physical ailment. It might have been an emotional thing or even a temptation that he was struggling with. We don't know exactly what that was, but it was to the point that Paul says, I agonized with God over and over. Take this thing away from me. Basically, Paul is going to God and saying, do something for me because I can't do this anymore. And God answers Paul's prayer, but he doesn't answer it in the way that we typically would like for God to answer our prayers. In fact, we find the answer to the prayer in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul says this, he says, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. In other words, he's like, God, do something for me. But then God answered, and here's what God's answer was. He said, I'm not going to take it away, but here's what I'm going to do. My grace, everybody say grace. My grace is all you need, for my power works best in weaknesses. And Paul says, so then I will boast all the more gladly about weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work what? Through me. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, hey, I begged God, take it away. I said, God, do something for me. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to do something even more than something for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do something in you. I'm going to put my grace and my strength in you that even though I'm not going to take the problem away, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you strength in the midst of the problem. And some of you, you know, as, as we challenge you to faith and as we challenge you to pray and believe God for, for some things, as we write them down on the cards and we put them on the prayer wall out there and as we pray over those, if we're not careful, we can get this attitude of, well, that's what it's about. It's about God answering that prayer and that need. And yes, that's part of it, but there's something even deeper than that, that it's not just about the answer to the prayer. It's about what God does in me while I pray and believe for it. So we have to understand, prayer is not just about God doing something for me. It's about God doing something in me. Notice number two, write this one down. This is a good one. Prayer reminds us that we are not in control and keeps us close to the one who is. How many, how many of you like to be in control? Raise your hand. Come on. How many control freaks we got here? Some of you are such control freaks that you grabbed the person's hand next to you and made them lift it as well. I mean, that's just like we, we like to be in control of stuff. And here's why we pray. In fact, here's why we call the whole church to a season of prayer like we are in right now is this. It reminds us that guess what, guys? We're not in control. Whatever situation you're facing, guess what? You don't, you might think you have control over it, but you don't have control. Control is only an illusion. And so when we pray, here's what we realize. We recognize that, you know what? That need, that thing that I got, I'm not really in control of it. But here's what I need to do is actually get close to the one who is in control. And that's what prayer is about. Prayer is not just about, not just about asking God for stuff. Prayer is about connecting with God. It's about relationship. Everybody say relationship. In fact, I like what my good friend, Pastor Josh Brown, says. He says, prayer in prayer, connection is primary and petition is secondary. It's pretty good. 
But basically, here's the deal about prayer is that, yes, the things that we ask God, petition God for, those are important, but those are secondary to the primary reason for prayer, and that is that we connect in relationship with God. In fact, we see this in the book of James. Another, actually, if promise is found in James chapter 4, and in this one, the if is silent, but it's implied. Check this out. Look what it says in James 4, 8. God says, if you will what? If you will come near to me, then what will happen? I will come near to you. And that's what prayer is. It's about, hey, I'm going to draw near to God. And when I draw near to God, what happens is that he then draws near to me. I'm going to recognize that I'm not in control, but I'm going to stay close to the one who is in control. And even if he doesn't answer my prayer in the way that I wanted him to answer, I still got the answer because the answer is in really in relationship with him. So I have to understand these foundational stuff about prayer. I have to understand that prayer is not just about God doing something for me, but God doing something in me. That prayer is about connection, staying close to God. Number three, write this one down. Prayer isn't just about asking, but about trusting. Everybody say trust. Prayer is about trusting. It's about It's not just about asking God for what I want. It's actually about trusting God for what he wants. There's a big difference. See, a lot of times we come to God asking God, God, I want, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to lead my life. This is what I, where I want to work. And this is where I want to live. And this is how I want to do. And we come to God with that, but there's a difference in asking God for what I want and actually trusting God for what he wants, even when it may not be exactly what it was that I want. In fact, there's a whole nother if promise in the Bible. In fact, there's all over the Bible if promises that basically in Proverbs 3, 5, we know this one. The if's not, the if's kind of silent in this one too, but basically it says, if you will what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. Then what will happen? Then he will direct your path. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is, is trusting. It's saying, you know, I'm going to trust God with all of my heart. I'm not going to go by what I understand about what, by what I want, but I'm going to acknowledge him in every way, knowing that he will lead me. And even when he answers in a way that I didn't think that he would answer or that I really wasn't expecting or wanting him to answer, I'm trusting him that he is in control. So with that in mind, with this idea that, hey, prayer's not just about me getting what I want. Prayer's about God doing something in me, about me connecting with God, about me learning how to trust God. With that in mind, here's what I want to do for the remainder of this message. I'm just going to go through some different people in the Bible who prayed some very specific prayers. And I'm going to point out these specific prayers. And some of you, you might see that these are the prayers that you need to be praying during this season of prayer. So if you're taking notes, write them down. We're going to hit six of them. We're going to hit them real fast. The first one is this. Some of you, here's the prayer that you need to pray. It's called the prayer of repentance. Everybody say repentance. Look what it says in our, in our text, verse 14. In fact, we find it there that, that God says, here's the condition to answered prayer. The condition is that you humble yourself and pray. And then what? Turn from your wicked ways. That's what repentance actually means. It means to turn around. It means you're going one way and you turn and you go in a different direction. And there may be some of you that are here today that this is where you need to begin. 
before you even began asking God to answer uh, some of your prayers specifically in other areas of your life, you need to start right here by praying this prayer. God, I know I'm not where I should be. God, I repent. I need to turn away from my wickedness, from my sinfulness, from the bitterness that's in my heart, from the unforgiveness that I'm holding on to, from whatever it might be that might be keeping me from connection and relationship with you. In fact, it reminds me of the man in the Bible that prayed this prayer, a man named David. You might remember his story that just from a young, young child, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And you remember what happened. He became the king. And then after he was the king for a while, he began to kind of, to kind of turn from God, even though he was a man after God's own heart, he began to kind of go down the wrong path. He saw Bathsheba when she was taking a bath one day and he was like, I want that. And so they brought her to him and he had an affair and she became pregnant and he had to have her husband killed. I mean, he got his life in a mess, wouldn't you say? And it was, and it was in that moment when his friend came to him and said, you're not where you should be. And God began to deal with his heart. And David prayed this prayer, this prayer of repentance in, in Psalm 51 and verse 10, look what he prayed. He says, create in me, everybody say it aloud, create in me a what? A pure heart. Oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit in me. David said, I recognize that I'm not where I should be. So the first prayer that I pray before I pray anything else is God, get me where I need to be. In fact, some of us, we need to recognize this today that before we can ask God for anything else, we have to turn away from our sin. Before we can expect God to answer any other prayer, we gotta pray this prayer. God, forgive me. In fact, you might just be one prayer away from God releasing incredible things in your life and it might be this prayer right here. In fact, as you study the scripture, you will see that there seems to be a connection between right living and answered prayer. The scripture talks about it in James chapter, in James chapter five and verse 16. Look what it says. The prayers of a what? Of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Notice it doesn't say the prayers of an unrighteous man, the prayers of a, you know, just a casual Christian, the prayers of a person that just kind of, you know, I come to church on Sundays every once in a while, whether I need it or not. No, no, no. The prayers of a righteous man. Those are the prayers that are answered. The scripture says it again in Proverbs 15 and 29. It says that the Lord Lord is far away from the wicked, but he what? He hears the prayers of the righteous. Some of you, that's the prayer you need to pray today. God, forgive me. A prayer of repentance. Notice number two. Here's another prayer we find in the scripture that some of you might connect with today. And that is the prayer of direction. Everybody say direction. Some of you might find yourself today in this place where you're, I mean, you got all this stuff going on in your life and you got decisions that need to be made and you find yourself just overwhelmed by all of the decisions and you don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there? You know, I mean, it reminds me of this guy in the Old Testament with a really cool name, a guy named Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. I mean, I just like that name. It's like Mufasa, you know, it's like Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, you know, I love that name. Like, and I love Jehoshaphat's story because Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel and he finds himself in this place where like he doesn't know what to do. As he's leading the armies of Israel, he finds himself cornered on all sides. He's got three armies that are surrounding him on all sides in the armies of Israel. And I mean, it looks like there's no way that there would be victory. And so what does Jehoshaphat do? Jehoshaphat prays this prayer, the prayer of direction. And look what he says in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12. He he says, God, we don't know what to do. But then look what he says, but our eyes are on you. 
Some of you, that's the prayer you need to pray today that, hey, man, in my situation, I don't know what to do with my teenager that's acting out and I don't know how to help him. I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you. I'm not looking to my own intellect or my own wisdom, but instead I'm looking to you. God, I don't know what to do about my job situation. God, I don't know what to do about the health situation. I don't know what to do about what's going on at my kid's school. I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes and my focus are on you. I'm praying and asking you to give me direction. And what's so amazing is that God has promised that he would give us direction if we just ask. In fact, another if promise is found in James chapter one that says, if you need wisdom, what do you do? You ask God and then he will give it to you generously without finding faults. Some of you, that's what you need today. You need to pray this prayer. God, I don't know what to do. I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying to lead my family on my own. I've been trying to live my life on my, lo- on my own. And now I feel like I'm overwhelmed and surrounded and I don't know what to do, but my eyes are turned towards you. Number three, write this one down. Some of you need to pray this prayer, the prayer of boldness. Everybody say boldness. Now say it with some boldness. Come on, boldness. Boldness. You know, honestly, here's where some of you are. You don't need direction. Some of you already know what to do. Some of you, God has already spoken to you. You know what you should do, but here's the thing. You don't have the boldness to do it. Some of you, that's exactly where you're at. The prayer that you need to pray is, God, I know you've given me direction. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't have the faith. I don't have the boldness to actually act on what it is that you have put in my heart to do. Because God, I know it's going to be difficult. I know that somebody's not going to like it. I know that it's not going to be easy. So God, what I need is I need you to give me the strength and the power and the boldness to step out into what you have for me. It reminds me of this two guys in the, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, a couple guys named Peter and John. Everybody say Peter and John. Peter and John. And Peter and John find themselves in a situation where actually they find themselves in trouble. And the reason they were in trouble is because they had preached in a place where it was illegal to talk about Jesus. And so because they had preached the message about Jesus, they were going to be thrown into jail. And so they began to pray a prayer. And I don't know about you, but, but I know that if I was going to be thrown into jail for preaching here on this stage this morning about Jesus, my prayer would probably go something like this. It might be like, God, don't let me go to jail. How I mean, you know what I'm saying? Or like, God, get me out of jail if I go to jail. That would be my prayer. My prayer would not be what Peter and John prayed for. But notice, here they are about to go to jail, and they don't pray, God, don't let me go to jail. Look what they pray in Acts 4 and verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. In other words, consider that they're about to throw me in jail for talking about you. And, And this is what they pray. And enable your servants to speak the word with what? With great boldness. Peter and John said, hey, even if, even if I do what you want me to do and it gets me in trouble, God, give me the boldness to actually do it anyway. See, some of us, we pray prayers that are more like this, like, God, I'll do what you want me to do if it all works out good. But some of us need to pray some prayers that say, hey, I'll lead my family and I'll lead my teenage daughter towards the Lord and, and whatever, even if she gets mad because I told her she can't have social media. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Or I'm going to be the man of the house and lead my family to, to serve and follow God, even if my wife doesn't like it. Or I'm going to stand up at my work and I'm going to be a godly example, even if my boss doesn't like it, even if it turns out bad. God, give me the boldness to stand up and to live out the the kind of life that you want me to live. A prayer for boldness. 
Number four, look at this one. This is kind of old school. We're going to throw back here. Prayer for revival. Everybody say revival. You know, that word is not a word that we use very much in church circles anymore. You know, I mean, it used to when I was growing up. We used to hear that all the time. We don't hear it that much anymore. And it kind of seems kind of old school. But the truth of the matter is this might be the prayer some of you need to pray. There may be even some of you here that, that here today, you need a personal revival in your spirit. In fact, it reminds me of the prayer that another guy with a really great name, a guy named Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. You got to say it like Habakkuk, you know, like you got tobacco in your mouth, Habakkuk, you know. Habakkuk. And you know, you know this, this, what Habakkuk prayed about? Look, look what it says in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. It says, He prayed, Lord, I have heard a report about you, and Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. And look what he says, revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. Here's what Habakkuk prays. Habakkuk prays, hey, I've heard, God, about how awesome and how great you are, but I haven't been seeing it in my life lately. And so, God, I'm asking you the stuff that you did before, I'm asking you to revive it in me again. Honestly, that may be where some of you are today. Some of you may have grown up in church and you may, you know, have heard prayers for revival and you've heard, you know, grandma and grandpa talking about what it was like back in the day. And you've heard mom and dad talk about, you know, what God did in their, li- in, in their lives when they're, and you and you look at that and you hear those stories and you go, that's great, but I'm not seeing that in my life today. And maybe you might need to pray a prayer like Habakkuk prayed that God, the things you did for grandma and grandpa and the things you did for mom and dad, God, I'm asking you to do them again in my heart and in my life, in my family, in our church, in our in our neighborhood, in our community. God, that work that you did before, revive it and renew it in our day. And some of you, honestly, you know, you hear me talking about this kind of stuff and trying to build your faith and you hear, you know, us writing stuff on the wall. And some of you have been around LifeGate for a while. And so you've been here when we wrote stuff on the wall and you've been here when we preached series like this. And maybe even some of you are just kind of laying back and you're going, you know, we've done that before. And, you know, I'm not really into it this time. You know, I wrote stuff on the wall last time, believe for that. And then stuff didn't really happen or work out the way that I want. I'm not just really kind of, maybe some of you even kind of got a little, just a, a little bit of deadness in your spirit and maybe the prayer that you need to be begin to pray is God revive in me a fresh spirit of faith to believe in you that that the things that that we believe for that maybe even those things that didn't come to pass that I'm going to believe now that this is going to be the time and the moment that they're going to come to pass and I'm not going to look back and go well, we've done that before but instead I'm going to say God I'm going to dig deeper into your presence and experience all that you have and want for me in my life Honestly, some of you just may be tired. You know, sometimes we get tired. I'll just be honest. I get tired sometimes. Preaching three services, I get a little tired. Some of you, you've been, you, you know, you've been faithfully trusting the promises of God. You've been faithfully praying and believing. And you're, and you're tired and you're worn out. And maybe what you need today is just a revival in your spirit. Just a renewal. Just a refreshing. Just, a, just an encouragement to know that God is still working in your, in your life. And that's the prayer you need to pray. Notice this one, number five, a prayer for expanded territory. I like this one. It's a prayer that's prayed by a guy named Jabez. Everybody say Jabez. And I'm just giving you all kinds of great names today. Those of you expectant moms, I'm telling you, I'm expecting just, you know, in a few, in a few months, we're going to be dedicating children named Jabez and Habakkuk and, you know, Jehoshaphat. I can't wait to dedicate Jehoshaphat. Great names. Jabez, what I like about Jabez is I, I like 
that Jabez was a guy who we really don't know much about him. We only hear about him basically this one time in the scripture, but it's so powerful what he prays. In First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10, he prays, Oh God, that you would bless me and that you would expand my territory. I'll be honest, you know, I've been kind of telling y'all this is the prayers that y'all need to pray. This one is the one that God has put on my heart that I need to pray. This is the one that I put on the wall. This is the one I'm believing for. God, expand my territory. Because the truth of the matter is, man, I can, I can look back and, you know, it's pretty awesome. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate 10 years as a church. Pretty cool, right? And I mean, it's awesome what God has done, but you know what? It would be really easy to kind of get satisfied by looking back at what God has done and be comfortable where we're at. But you know what? I've been just, God, just dealing with my heart about praying this prayer. God, get me out of my comfort zone. Don't let me be satisfied with what you have done, even though it's great. Don't let me be satisfied with where I am, but let us, let us expand the territory that you want to give us as a church that you want to do, that it would, that we would be people who would truly change lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth and not just the lives and the impact that is being made now. But God, I'm asking you to expand and to enlarge our influence and our test in our testimony and our territory to make a bigger difference, not just here in Burleson, but in Fort Worth and in Dallas and in Texas and in America and around the world to begin to believe God for bigger and greater things because he is for us. And some of you, man, that's where you need, to, you need to get fired up and you need to begin believing. You know what? God has bigger things and greater things for my family than what I'm experiencing now. God has greater things for my business than what I've experienced to this point. God has more of an impact that he wants me to make. And I'm going to begin trusting and believing him for an expanded territory of all that he wants to do in me. I'm going to pray this prayer. God, expand my territory. Number six, check this one out. I think this one is actually the most painful and the most difficult one to pray. And yet I believe this, this last one is the one that is the key to unlock all of the other ones. And it's called the prayer of surrender. Some of you, honestly, like God has things for you and you're missing out on the plan that God ultimately has for you because you're, you're holding so tightly to the plan that you have for you. And here's the deal is that in order to experience God's plan for you, what you have to do is you have to release your own plan for yourself. And that only comes in surrender. It only comes in this place where we get to a place where we say, God, I don't want just what I want. I want what you want. And it's amazing the potential in this prayer when we get to that place where we say, God, I'm not holding on to nothing else. I'm not holding on to my plans. I'm not holding on to, to that person that hurt me in the past that I just can't let go of. I'm not holding on to that thing that I prayed for and it didn't happen. Or I'm, none of that. Here's what, God, I'm surrendering to you. And you know, the person that prayed this prayer is a person named Jesus. We know the story as he's about to be taken to be tried and to, cru- to be crucified the night before he goes into the garden with his disciples. He asks the disciples to pray. And as, as he moves on from the disciples, they didn't pray, they fell asleep in that the way we do sometimes. And Jesus moves on into a deeper part of the garden. 
The Bible says he begins to pray, and you can imagine what was going, what was going on in Jesus' mind, this struggle. Because, yes, he was fully God, but he's also fully man, and he knows, he knows what's about to happen. He knows what he's about to experience, the torture that he's about to experience upon the cross. He knows that they're going to they're beat him within inches of his life. They're going to nail him to a cross. He knows that, but not only the pain that, and the agony that he's going to experience there, but something even even far more weighty than that and far more agonizing than that is he knows that in that moment as he's hanging on the cross that God, his own father is going to have to turn his head not because he doesn't love his son or because he's ashamed of his son but because all of the sins of the world are in that moment going to be thrust upon Jesus and here's a man who is without sin and now he's about to carry all the sins of the world upon his shoulders and he knows the agony and the pain that he's about to experience and so he comes, he comes to the garden and he begins to pray and he begins to say, God, if there is any other way than this, like this is not the way I would have planned it. This is not the way I wanted it to be or the way I wanted it to go. God, if there's any other way, give me another plan. Take this cup from me. And he comes to that moment where he says, God, even though I know it's going to be painful, even though I know it's not going to be easy, even though I know... It's going to be a struggle. In fact, he struggled so much that the, that the sweat became drops of blood. That's the kind of agony that he was in. And he comes to a place where finally he says, God, not what I want, what you want. But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will. Prayer of surrender. You know, that prayer of surrender is what unlocked the power of God in every one of our lives. And that same prayer of surrender is what can unlock the power and the potential of God in your life. When you come to the place where you say, God, it's not what I want. It's only what you want. God, I'm at this place where that's not the way I would have planned it. That's not the way I would have wanted it to go. I know it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard. I know your way is difficult, but I also know your way is better than my way. And so finally I come to the place where I say, God, not my will, but your will. And when you come to that place, it's like then God can say, okay, now. Now I can answer these other prayers because now you can handle them because you're following me rather than going after your own will and your own plan.